Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Creative Process Podcast with myself, Jared Klein. Yes, you do see a little new, I guess, actually you don't see because we aren't posting this, posting the visual on YouTube. Even I forgot that. Um, but long overdue episode, um, scheduled for a while with this guest. Um, obviously in the title, you can see who we have on today, but we will get into the guest in a little bit here. We'll have him introduce himself and kind of get into what we want to talk about today in a little bit. But first, I just want to say thank you for, you know, coming out today and, um, listening to the podcast. I know this one's going to be awesome. Going to have a lot of, a lot of awesome information on it. So, um, one thing I haven't been saying, um, maybe, you know, since there's a lot of, um, I guess there has been a lot of valuable information, um, a lot of, um, in like, I guess, applicable information to a design career that has gone over in the many episodes that we've done so far. Um, even I have stuff that I write stuff down during the podcast and everything. So, you know, getting a notebook out or having something that is close to you, whether it's your computer or whatever you're doing that you can write notes on, you never know when you will hear something that um, kind of, I guess, connects to you in some way. But um, again, episode 21. Thank you. Um, and let's kind of get started in here. So Brian, awesome having you on. I know we've jumped through some loopholes. I even came late to the, to the recording today because I had some time mix up, but thank you for, thank you for coming on today. Well, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, so for the people that don't know you introduce yourself, obviously if, if they're listening to this podcast, odds are they've either heard of you or follow you on Twitter um, or everything, but introduce yourself, um, tell the people who you are. Um, I usually keep it pretty open, go as shallow or as deep as you want to go with your background, and then we'll kind of move forward from there. <laughs> uh, sure thing. Uh, yeah, my, my name is Brian Gundell. Uh, I am a graphic designer, been doing it uh, just over 15 years. Uh, 12 of those have been in sports. Um, I specialize in brand identity development uh, for, for sports teams, as well as uniform design. Um, over the course of my 12 years in, uh, sports, I've worked for agencies. I've worked for, um, the Arizona Diamondbacks. I was a contract designer at Nike for a year, worked for the university of Washington football team. And then for the last six and a half years or so, I have been running my own creative agency, um, first in Portland, Oregon, and now in sunny Orlando, Florida. Yeah, that's. I, I was looking at like your resume and stuff when we kind of set all this up, um, and your experience is is crazy. I I mean I've I've been following you on Twitter for a little bit, um, originally for so, probably for some reason because I thought actually I know this is the reason I thought you were from Wisconsin for some reason, so I started following you and I figured out that you weren't from Wisconsin, but I'm from Wisconsin, so that's why I kind of was like oh bang, but obviously been following you for. I think either two or three years now. So um, hmm. basically whatever you've put out in the last couple of years, um, I was, have been, I guess, have been seeing that. So um, you were actually were recommended to, to me. I mean, to, to reach out to you from um, Brad LaFeld. Have you talked to Brad LaFeld by chance? Yeah. I've, I've had a couple conversations with him here and there. Yeah. He, um, it was post podcast, so I, you wouldn't hear it during the podcast. But he was, he, we were kind of rattling off some names of who I should, you know, ask to be on the podcast. And your name came up, and I was like, hmm. And even um, Brandon Moore, Brandon's name came up too. 
Um, oh yeah, Brett, don't talk to him. He's he's such a hack. Uh, <laughs> um, just just the worst human being on the planet, and and really, I mean, I mean, he's a complete fraud. He knows nothing about design and anything. He's just a big old front. Um, yeah, just 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 a waste of space in the universe. <laughs> um, I I for those people who are listening and who don't know me, um, I am I am one hundred percent being sarcastic. Uh, Brandon is is. I would consider him a good friend of mine um, and somebody who I frequently collaborate with. Uh, I'm also a partner with him in, in our, um, our design partnership, Zero G. So uh, I think very highly of Brandon. I highly recommend his book, uh, which is Starting with Concept and Finishing with Style, mm-hmm. uh, which you can purchase on his website. Um, so yeah, Brandon, Brandon's definitely one of the, the good people out there. That you Great should guy. talk to also also John Willie and and Surf Melendez. Um, John is is a mutual former boss of ours. Um, he's now the creative director over at the Pittsburgh Pirates and um, another one of my favorite human beings um, slash former bosses. So mm-hmm. um, yes, lot, lots of good people out in the industry to to talk to. Mm-hmm. And it's it's awesome. Like. I'm going to be a little selfish here, but when I started this, I was wanting to initially, you know, have a platform for other designers and to kind of come on and tell their story. And I didn't really view it from like, you know, what am I going to get out? I viewed it from like, what are the listeners going to get out of it? But like, as we've kind of went on, like the amount of things I've learned from the people I've had on and had conversations with, like, it's, it's insane. Like I've never really have um, never really thought about, you know, the, the things that would kind of come of, you know, having conversations with people that I've been following yeah. for a little bit now. So yeah, it's, it's been awesome. Um, you know, one of the things I love most about the sports design community, the design community in general, but the sports design community in particular, um, because we've all been so battered, bloodied and bruised for so long over the, <laughs> over, even if you've only been working in sports for a little while, you know what I'm talking about when I say battered, bloodied and bruised um, by this business. Uh, I feel like I always see these, you know, Twitter battles in the sports design Twitter. Like somebody will say something and I'm like, who are these people and why are they arguing? Like my experience in sports design has been nothing but generous, sharing, welcoming, supportive. Like if, if, if you've had the unfortunate, you know, and this is to your listeners, if, if you've had the unfortunate um, incidents of, of, being dragged into one of these twitter battles and it's gotten heated and nasty you're following the wrong people and those are not the the right people and frankly the good people of which i i selfishly consider myself part of like we see all that nonsense and we go that's some bullshit and Mm -hmm. like don't know what the fuck is going on there but that's not how it actually is i uh i thankfully haven't really been able to see like one of those things happen on like twitter or something i've only heard like the end of it so um i mean i i just don't understand like i I, i'm in the same boat as you like i have i started designing in sports um like three years ago and i've only been you know been um what's the right word exposed to like well like a, a great like welcome to it like so many people just reaching out it's like like even when I ask for feedback, people like give, you know, good, like constructive criticism and like yeah. people are all good hearted. And 
I haven't had a horrible experience, you know, knock on wood, thankfully, you know, um, I really enjoy seeing like, there's a, there's a, a group of designers again, that I'm, I'm lucky enough to be part of. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like, I would say, I'm not, I, I don't want to call myself the first wave. Um, Cause I came <laughs> just a little bit later. No, I, I'm serious about this. Like the first wave, uh, Brian Bizio, uh, Ross Yoshida. Um, those are the two that I always think of. And I know there's more of them. And for uh, Jose Lopez at the Houston Rockets, like the, the real true OGs who were like, beginning of the aughts who started in sports then i came a little bit after them so i think i'm more like gen 1.5 the those of us that came in like late aughts early teens mm-hmm. um there's a much larger group of us and that that includes people like brandon um we have as we've come to be the quote-unquote elder states people in in the sports design community well i mean just from sheer longevity like they haven't gotten rid of us they haven't beaten us down yet (laughs) um you know we're we're getting to the level of being creative directors and being you know senior management level in design we i've seen that group of people ashley strauss is another one um people like her and Tony Taylor at the Denver Broncos and, and, you know, Ross and, and Brian and Brandon and myself and Chris Bazin um, now at the Titans. It's like we've been around and we've gone through the, the shit storm of, of crap that everybody has dealt with in sports design. And it's like, we've watched it get better. And now we kind of want to like take all the younger designers who have been at it for a couple of years. And then the next generation is like, no, no, come, 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 come our babies. We want to protect you and make this better for you. <laughs> I, you know, putting that in perspective, you said 15, how the 12 years you've been in sports. Yeah. 2009. Yeah. That's uh-huh. pretty, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. That is pretty crazy. Cause like, I, I wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking about, you know, be like even thinking about doing sports as a career or a potential career path until I like was a, I think junior in college. So when like putting that, like thinking someone designing in sports for, for 12 years, as long as you have is, and even, I mean, the people you mentioned longer than you is kind of a crazy thing to think about. Yeah. I mean, when I got, when I got in, uh, in 09, like, the reason I, I even got into sports was because there was this agency I was working at and they were getting all of the sports work that has now come in house. So there weren't really that many of the original group of folks who, who were doing it at the time. So, I mean, they, they were, you know, one person sprinkled throughout a, a couple of teams here and there across the leagues. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't until the mid teens 2015 16 where where there was at least one if not more than one designer at every single team in all of the five major leagues in the united states and then then after that it like got to the point where the colleges wised up and were like oh shit we need this too Mm -hmm. so it's it's been amazing for me to watch that grow and happen because yeah like when i got in in 09 it was like this agency i was working at got all this work because there was nobody to do it for them at the time. Yeah, I was, I was kind of interested in that. Like, since you have a, a long tenure within the industry, um, 
I guess, what were the, what are the biggest things that you've seen kind of come and go or, you know, come and stay um, within the industry? Um, I guess, I guess negatives and positives. Um, well, negative wise, what I've, I've seen stay is the, the grind mentality, you know, the, the, you got to be at the stadium all hours every day and it has to consume every single moment of your life mentality mm-hmm. that was there when I got into it and I have not seen that really change. So um, that I think is kind of the last holdout of what I would consider bad corporate behavior um, to, to linger. And I, I don't think that's unique to sports. I think that's, you know, that's corporate America in general. Uh, I do think it's more pronounced in sports simply because as an entertainment platform, uh, it's, you know, evenings and weekends when, you know, regular people, quote unquote, tend to take in their entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just as pervasive and bad in the entertainment industry. You know, I, I have people that I know who work for Walt Disney Company and who work for uh, movie studios and things like that. And, and, you know, there's a lot of shared issues between those communities. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, no, we have this event that's happening and it's, you know, this date. So we're going to work 50 hour weeks mm-hmm. um, and then we're going to work you know, 90 hour weeks, the week before the, the event to launch and the day of the launch, we were there till 6am and we were there at 6am the previous day. And we were there that whole 24 hours. And it's like, oh yeah, I remember that leading up to national championship, Super Bowl, pick your jewel event in sports. Like mm-hmm. we've all done those things. We, we are, we know people who have done those things. So that, that expectation and burden that's put on creative, um, you know, to be there all hours when you're not on the sporting side of things is um, I think a stain Um, good things that I've seen stay or get better. I've seen salaries go get way better. Mm -hmm. I've seen the value and treatment of creatives get way better. I've seen um, staff sizes, creative staff sizes grow. Um, You know, and I, I mentioned it a minute ago that, you know, I went from, not knowing that design in sports was even an opportunity because you never heard about it mm-hmm. to there being at least one, if not multiple designers at every single team in every single league in the mm-hmm. country. So, and, and at most universities. So that's been a big positive change. I think, I think that's changed. That's just changed with the emphasis on social media, you know, and like, and like how many ways, I guess, again, I'm talking from limited experience, but I guess logically since social media was, I guess, was social media as huge, you know, the emphasis of marketing on social media as huge as it no. is now? <laughs> well, no, no, <laughs> to, ver- to verify media, my question. <laughs> social media didn't exist in 2009. There was, there was Facebook, but you still had to have a college, you know, email yeah. address to get into it. Yeah. Um, Twitter was just in its infancy i don't think instagram had come out youtube was brand new Mm -hmm. so no um when i got going early on it was very much traditional media focus you know 
30 second TV spots, radio commercials were still being produced, <laughs> um, which I think they still are, but like, you know, far more limited number, but like mm-hmm. there, you know, there was your newspaper ads were still very big and important. Um, and they were like really critical to get right because, oh man, we're spending so much on this media buy out of home advertising billboards and things like that. And there was much more emphasis on those traditional marketing um, tactics. And the, the emphasis to social didn't really take a turn uh, for the intensity until I want to say again, the mid teens um, once Snapchat really got big. Um, I think once Snapchat got big and, and teams really saw that that was, you know, a great way for fans to interact with, with brands and, and with their, their players that they really got, Oh, there's, there's something to the social media thing. Mm-hmm. Other, beyond that, it was maybe a, a ticket promotion and like a final score graphic was all we ever produced for social up mm-hmm. to that point. And, and I was with the D backs in 2013 and 14. Um, and I was at the university of Washington. We used like, I was making game day graphics for, for Washington football at the time in 14, 15. And they only ever put it out on the recruiting Twitter because they didn't care about fans. They just wanted the recruits to know what time the game was to watch and, or like when they were taking their visit. So mm-hmm. there was really not an understanding or an emphasis on social media for a long time. It, the sports teams and sports brands are very slow to respond to, to trends in that way. The, the one thing that, um, I forget who I talked about this with, but like it kind of went hand in hand with like the emergence and like the importance of like digital marketing and like the power of social media and how social media can connect the brand or, you know, the entity to its fan base and to the people that want to follow it. Um, I guess it, it directly correlates to the, I guess, saturation of designers within the sports industry. Um, people are seeing, I feel like people are seeing like this profession being a designer in the sports industry and like working for some of these amazing teams, like they're seeing it happen more and more and more. And the people that they connect with and follow, at least the people that are on Twitter and within, you know, the people that I connect with and everything. Um, I think that is aiding in the importance and like the, um, I guess the, the, I guess, motivation and I guess, emphasis on the whole aspect of, you know, social media for brands. Um, if you want to talk about that, like kind of continue on that. I, it was like, I know for me, like coming up and realizing that I want to do sports, seeing other people, you know, get, um, I guess I want to use tangible, but that's not the right word. Like a good career in sports that I never thought about, you know, that I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll freelance, you know, but I don't think I can get a career in sports. And then person I follow I'm talking to gets a job with like the bucks or, you know, the Houston rockets or this, that, and the other thing, it became a little bit more real and a little bit more attainable in my mind. I mean, I'm, I'm not really sure like what the correlation is between, you know, the social connectivity of it and seeing jobs. Cause I mean, I, I, I've talked to plenty of people over the years about, you know, Oh, I want to get into sports. How do I get into sports? Mm, be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's as much it's as much as that as anything else. Be willing to move across the country at the, on the you know drop of a dime. Uh, like there's no there's no real rhyme or reason to it, in my opinion. It's like you know what I what I will say about the convergence of social media and sports is is that I think um, I don't think sports teams really figured out the power of social media and the power of creative until the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think if there's any silver linings from the pandemic for our industry it is that and i am i have seen a rash of creative positions open um not just to fill positions backfill positions for people who have gone independent and and you know gone the freelance road but um in teams looking to build out creative um, especially high level creative positions where we're talking you know creative director titles and roles um, with actual the actual meaning of a creative director behind it, um, teams have figured out that you know calling somebody a creative director, but really meaning that they're you know a senior designer or just you know a graphic designer, um, really doesn't work any well, uh, anymore. Both from a, a a an employee retention and satisfaction standpoint, and also from an output standpoint. Um, so that's been something that I I have noticed uh, in the last year of teams getting wise to, uh, you know, when, especially when everything first shut down in, in, you know, the summer of 2020, um, sports teams had nothing. There were no games, there were no fans, there were no promotions, there was nothing for them to do. So what did they do? They turned to social media Mm -hmm. and who was, who was there to, to create that content for them, but their creative teams. So that was the first time that I really saw sports teams look to their creative and understand what they do and appreciate them for it. And I think we're going to see a longer term benefit in sports for design because of that. Question for you. Do you think more people are leaning towards having freelancing as their end goal as a designer, or do you think people are sticking to the like work within the industry until they retire type of scenario? I I think uh, designers in general, not just in sports. um, But I I think for any, any designer really, especially who was young, most of them have the end goal of, you know, starting their own agency. Mm -hmm. And, And we as creatives, um, there's a natural tendency towards that because what we do is generated from the self. So why wouldn't you want to have control over your own destiny and your own creative work? Um, so there's, there's an innate nature to that. Um, so even, you know, it's, it's not new. I've, I've been going back as far as connect 2015 have been talking to people about, you know, Oh, I really want to, you know, I want, I really want to go freelance and independent. Like, how did you do it? Like, you know, that's, that's my goal is to, to, you know, to be my own boss one day. And it's like, okay. So I've, I've been, that's not new for me. I've been hearing mm-hmm. that for a long, long time. So yeah, yes, I think more people are, are wanting to go that route. I don't think it's sustainable. There is a, there's only so much work to go around and there's, you know, as there are more, people entering that um right now there's enough for who's in the game um and there's some room left to swell but if everybody who wanted to be independent ever decided to be independent just it wouldn't work 
Um, and the other thing too, is like some people can do it and some people can't, there's a lot of hidden, uh, pieces of being independent. And, and I don't like to say freelance. I, I really call it being an independent designer rather than a freelance designer. Cause I think that's kind of a crock of shit. You're not, <laughs> you're not a freelancer. You're a business owner. And you have to be a business owner because mm-hmm. you have to generate sales. You have to do your own marketing. You have to have, you have to be CEO, CMO, CFO, um, and HR all for yourself. And mm-hmm. that's a lot. Oh, and you still have to do the design work at a high level. <laughs> so, um, not everybody is cut out for that. And fortunately I have been, but it's, it wears on me. Did that answer your question? I don't know. Yeah, if that yes, it, it did. It did. It did. Um, well, I mean, the initial question was, um, like I, I kind of asked you open end. So, I mean, the freelancing route, like I liked how you explained more around, more along the lines of, um, that you actually gave a different, a different outlook on freelance since, I mean, since you have been doing it since 2015, um, I mean, we had people, I, I, I think, I think Brett or not Brett, Brad on here said that he thought like freelancing for himself was one of the best decisions he made for his design career. Um, cause that kind of kickstarted his love for like the craft and, um, you know, and, and the love for the industry that he's, that he's in, which is obviously the sports industry. Um, and Brandon talked about it a lot when I had him on and had the conversation. So, um, I guess within, uh, this is kind of a shot in the dark here within sports specifically, there is a lot of freelancers. I mean, like yourself and and there Mm -hmm. is a lot of media agencies to kind of, you know, distribute that work. If, there is that like cap on, you know, work to designer ratio to where, you know, there's a little amount of work and too many designers. Do you think it's going to revert itself? Like the industry is going to revert itself to now going back, like rather than the ultimate goal being freelance for, you know, the last 20 years of my career, or do you think it's going to stay the same? Or do you think more people are going to be, do you think it may, drive newer designers to kind of go into a different field if it gets to that point or i don't think it'll i don't don't think it'll drive people to go to a different field um i i i would welcome anybody to to you know take the challenge and that's interesting when i went independent i i had a, a number of phone calls with uh some seasoned independent creatives um who had been doing it for quite a long time and three of the four of them told me, now this was in the middle of, no, it was 2015. So it wasn't like we were in the middle of a recession or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, oh yeah, if I was going to open my own creative agency now, I wouldn't do it. I, three of the four that I had the conversations with said the same <laughs> thing, like, don't, don't do it. And I was like, it's okay. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I am doing it. Like, I'm just looking for some advice. So I thought that was a little odd. And the, and the, and the last set of folks I talked to were very, very helpful and supportive. And they were like, yeah, man, go for it. Like, what have you got to lose? Um, and, and so that's what I say to anybody who, who has aspirations of, of going independent. Um, give it a shot. What, what, do, what have you got to lose? What happens? You don't, it doesn't work out for you or you don't like it and go get another job. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like, I think people like put this this idea of independence on a, on a pedestal. It's like, if I can't make it work or it's not right for me, like I have to like crawl back to the industry and, and say, please give me a job again. It's like, you know what? There's no shame in that. 
I don't know why we, we put this stigma on it. Like there is nothing wrong with working a nine to five or with collecting a regular paycheck or, or letting somebody else run the company and make the decision. Like there is no shame in that. Um, and I don't think there should be any shame in that. Um, so to kind of get to what you were, you were asking about, like, I don't, I don't think, um, young designers or designers who have aspirations of that should shy away from it. And frankly, anybody who is better, uh, from a business standpoint or design standpoint, who knocks me off my, my game or takes business away from me, more power to them. And mm. uh, the way I look at it is, uh, like, that work is work that I had. And if somebody is doing it better, cheaper, better, faster, whatever, or they can get more money for it and they can convince, you know, a, a team or a company that, that they're worth that extra money that they're not paying me like, Hey, then they're just doing it better than me. Mm-hmm. And I gotta, I gotta step my game up or I gotta figure something else out. So I would say that same mentality for anybody else, either you need to step your game up or you need to figure something out and maybe it's, you know, get out of sports Maybe it's go back to a team, um, but there's no shortage of answers. And it's not like you have to stop being creative. Um, the one thing I do first see is the glut of media companies that are out there who are farming this work out are going to, that's a bubble that's waiting to burst mm-hmm. um, because they are charging teams and in, in colleges exorbitant amount of money exorbitant amounts of money that independent creatives like myself and my partnership zero g can do better faster cheaper um and with you know just better knowledge because we've all been in the industry than these you know media companies or these agencies can do so i i mean i think i see the ebb and flow of the agency thing like some agency will come along at some point and offer like something that one of us can't do media placement, media design, whatever. And then they farm out the creative to talented people who are freelancing for them and they look great on paper and they do that for a while. And then they get found out and that falls apart. And then, you know, a little while goes by and teams rely on these freelancers and then the freelancers get overwhelmed and overbooked. And so the agency crawls back in and goes, we have many designers and we can do this for you. And, and they get their little tentacle hooks in there and then it goes back to the agencies and then it comes back to the independents. And so there's that kind of flip-flop. Um, I think we're at a tipping point where it's coming back to the independents um, at, at this point, um, just from what I'm seeing and hearing and talking to the people in the industry that I talk to. Mm-hmm. So instead of, I, I guess, like what I'm thinking, like, why don't the, if I, I guess if the team's reaching out to these agencies have designers on staff and creative agency on staff or creative, you know, um, department on staff, why don't they just hire more people in their creative department to do that work that they're sourcing with a media agency? Well, um, a couple of reasons why that happens. And this is where I position myself and, and um, where I think agencies go wrong. in in how they approach this kind of work. Um, Teams will reach out to me because they have a talent shortage. So they have people who are amazing motion graphics designers, amazing digital designers, amazing social designers, but nobody on there can, can design a logo to save their ass. 
why would you hire a designer just to design logos if you don't need that i guess i wasn't thinking specifics then so there's there's one there's a talent gap you know logo design motion whatever it is Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying it's you know specific to me they'll go hire robbie kujak to do their motion design Mm -hmm. um because they don't have a really super good motion designer on staff they hire me to do to come in and do you know programmatic logos for the team or whatever it is second thing is they just simply have too much work on their plate but they don't need they don't have a full-time need like right now january to march or january to end of february for baseball is the run-up to spring training and opening day baseball staffs are swamped right now with doing a seasonal creative look for the regular season, but also doing a, a, a spring training look, not to mention coordinating media day at spring training, traveling to spring training, getting set up in their spring training facility, which is not at their home ballpark, which doesn't have all of their equipment and setup in place. They're trying to coordinate photo, video, um, interviews. They're trying to get creative assets for the entire season. So they're trying, they're doing a lot of work mm-hmm. in a very short window of time. We're talking four to five weeks. So when you've got this four to five week window and you have this massive amount of work to do, you need that extra help. If you've got a charity event you got to put on, it's like, fuck, we're, we're completely consumed in house with our spring training stuff. But then we've got this ballpark event that we're doing to, to, you know, generate revenue in the off season. And we have, we don't have the bandwidth to, to handle this event. What do we do? Well, do you hire a full-time person when you, you have this, you know, short window for work that you need on this one specific thing? And then the rest of the year, they're going to have fuck all to do. No, you hire it out. So those are the two main scenarios <coughs> where it is. It's, it's, it's a talent gap or uh, just a simple bandwidth overload. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's where independence come in. And, and oftentimes when agencies come in to do big work and agencies like to do big, sexy projects, they like to do a seasonal campaign. They like to do big, you know, at a home, you know, they want to do strategy and because <laughs> they're an agency and they're better than their in-house creatives. People outside of the creative department at teams that don't value their creative departments buy that shit. And so they will hire an agency to handle the seasonal creative look and feel, and they will leave the, the internal creative team to do the quote unquote, you know, regular day-to-day work, run the social media, do the, the email marketing campaigns and all, but the big sexy thing will hire this agency to do. And they'll, they'll do it so much better because they're, you know, XYZ agency out of New York. And they did it for, you know, the Miami dolphins in 1994. And that sold a million dollars in tickets. In 1994, so some garbage like that. <laughs> I hate that shit. What? Just because they're just because their name, or just because they're? I guess. No, no. I I hate when teams hire out um, to agencies in general because agencies don't understand sports. Uh, agencies don't understand how to build creative for sports teams to then execute on a daily basis, and and usually the work is crap. Uh, it's not anything special or unique or anything that the internal designers at any team in any league in this country couldn't do with their eyes, you know, covered and their hands tied behind the back. So to me, it's this huge waste of money for, you know, quote unquote prestige 
to hire these outside agencies. Now, if anybody who's working at an agency is listening to this and is offended, go fuck yourself. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> feel free to DM me and I will tell you the merits and all my experience that informs my opinion yeah. um, based on actual real world experience of you know, multiple scenarios that have borne this to bear. Um, so yeah, I, w- again, when I'm presenting myself to a team, I know what those teams go through in these scenarios. So I like to take grunt work for teams. I like to be able to, and maybe I'm a sucker, I don't know, but I like to give the internal teams the opportunity to do these big projects because they know the brand inside and out. They know their fans, they know their market. They deserve to be able to take a shot at it. Now, if they take a shot at it and they completely fuck it up and they miss it, sure, then I'll come in and I'll take it and stab at it. Um, but like, at least let me give them the space to be able to try. Mm-hmm. Um, so with, I guess, I guess this is more, this question I ask a lot in this podcast, no pun intended, but, um, I am interested to hear this, um, since you do have more experience than I guess, Brandon is probably the closest other than everyone else. And obviously you that have been, um, in the design, in the sports industry, but what, I guess, from your point of view, getting, um, getting kind of like your project started from a to z what does your whole process look like i guess now you you could say now you don't have to you don't have to like no, go I, back and forth i hate or... this question no i okay, hate well this then. question what's what's your what's your process look like? i don't have a fucking process i'm not so full of myself to have a process i guess like, is it is it consistent in a sense or is it just no, like completely... no it's whatever, it's whatever the project and the client needs like i really try hard to embed myself into whatever organization I'm working with to work within their system. Mm -hmm. Because if I at least show a willingness to work with them as one of them, it it builds a certain level of trust instantaneously because I'm not trying to dictate the terms of how things go. So it's like, yeah, like tell me how you operate and I'll work within that confines. And that's totally cool with me. Uh, so I know I don't have a process, but I mean, more or less, it starts with a conversation about what's the project, what's it going to need, where, where's it going to go, who's it for, why are we doing this? Um, once I have those basic answers, essentially a creative brief, <laughs> once I get a creative brief, it's, it's, you know, I'll do my own research and I'll do my research on the brand if I need to, or, you know, look through the materials the team sends me and then I'll just do the fucking work. However, that's required to get the work done by the time the client needs it, whatever that is. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I work on such a range of stuff for a, such a range of clients. I No, I don't have a, a set process. When it, when it comes to like a brand design, that's a little bit more established. But again, like there's so many things that throw monkeys into wrenches when it comes to even something like that, where it should be like, Phase one, research. Phase two, you know, concept development. Phase three, sketching. Phase four, vectors. Phase five, finalization. That's how it should go. And that's like the general outline that I give to my clients. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> you can be going along in the research phase. You could get to the vector phase. The client could not be feeling it. Or they could go, so... Our fourth partner talked to his wife's brother, sister's cousin's dog, and the dog barked at this photo 
and he showed it to us and we think that's a really great idea for this and it, and it, and you just take everything and chuck it and you start all over so mm-hmm. like no there's no set process like shit happens so within like your conversations from a to z um i guess how like how, do you go to extraneous um like bounds to communicate everything as well as you can so you you know don't have to relapse or you know you're all on the same page because i think i think process is one thing i like your response because like a lot of people view view process as like this set in stone thing like like you said step one step two step three which you do have to outline to something that you're presenting your work towards just to give them a better idea of the the your process i guess of the project but like i feel like a lot of the times yes you're gonna have projects where you where you do, where you do your like perfectly one through five, you hit everything, you know, no problems, but some projects, like I know for myself, I have a concept. I, you know, it's in my head. I go right straight to the computer and I do it when usually like when I was in school, we were taught, okay, yes, you may have a concept, but you have to sketch, you have to, you know, do X, Y, and Z before that. I feel like, I feel like process is so like interpreted black and white but when you're doing it it's like not always the same it's like never it's actually never the same so it's like i do like your response there like even though (laughs) yeah i mean i think i think having that sort of rigidity leaves no room for play no room Mm -hmm. for experimentation and and sometimes that leads to great things sometimes that leads to uh a big old waste of time and and learning what not to do mm-hmm. <laughs> which is valuable in and of itself but yeah like i i don't like that kind of rigidity when it comes to you know quote unquote process and i always thought the people that said you know process is king or you know have that kind of set in stone mentality are full of them fucking selves and just it's not for me um i don't mean to be you know crass about it uh it's for me for me i again i just i don't think what we do should be looked at so seriously or so pretentiously or so self-importantly that like (laughs) at the end of the day we're putting athletes into some kind of digital graphic somewhere and then it's either getting printed out or put it on onto a website (laughs) at the end of the day like that's what we're doing we're working with grown men and women who are playing games for money (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like come on guys let's let's take our let's take ourselves a little less seriously and and just relax a little bit more about all of this stuff and that's not to say i'm not professional i don't conduct myself professionally but like you know sometimes like if, if i'm working on like a poster or something like even if it's a digital graphic sometimes it's just about opening photoshop and messing around until you you hit something mm-hmm. sometimes there's like very clear like I have to have this thing, a photo or piece of text. It's got to be front and center. So I'm building everything around that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that sometimes will dictate how things go. You know, that's again, why I say like, I don't think process can be super defined because every single project, every single brief, every single prompt has its own unique set of circumstances and requirements. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to kind of give yourself that leeway and that flexibility for some people, uh, I understand for some people can actually be crippling to not have that, like, 
I need to know how I'm starting this. And to start this, the only way I can do it is, you know, A, B, C, D. For me, I'm like, yeah, we'll take a little X and we'll sprinkle in a two and, you know, maybe there's a percent sign here, (laughs) (laughs) you know, whatever, like I, but that, that works better for me. That's not, not for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, I I mean, did I answer your question again? (laughs) Well, no, I I like it. I like, I like how this conversation is going. Um, There's a lot more, I mean, you're explaining things like how you and yourself, you know, it, it, it's, I, I can I can tell you this. I haven't had someone as, I guess, super confident when ex, when they're explaining their side to some of these things that I'm that I'm asking or some of these conversations that we've had, and like really showcasing and not really I guess I mean not really giving a fuck about what I, what other people think. You're just kind of like, this is what I do. This is what I like. This is what's worked for me. Yeah. Like you know, um, I'm I'm at the age where where I can afford to not give a fuck what other people think. Um, but also that's just my general personality. It's like, this is, this is just me. Like, and I'm only worrying about me. Like I I'll take, I'll give you a really good example. I'm sure you're familiar with the pen tool, the, the clipping photo debate that has raged on Twitter time and again, of, you mm-hmm. know, do you use the pen tool or the lasso tool or the, the, you know, the select subject tool in Photoshop to, to mask a photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my response to that every single time is who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. Like there's no right way, like do what works for you and what works best for you may not work best for whoever but as long as the photo gets clipped, who gives a fuck? <laughs> Genuinely, why is that even a debate? I do not understand. Like, and, and I'll take it a step further. I don't clip photos. I send them to India and get them clipped because I fucking hate it. <laughs> so like, that's just you know, pathedits.com. They're wonderful. They do great work. They're cheap. They're fast. They do amazing work. Go to pathedits.com. Send them your photos. Never clip a photo again because it is a waste of fucking time. Anyway, sorry, tangent. <laughs> no, that's actually interesting. You send your photos away. I'm going to look up this pathedits.com. Why in the hell would you waste hours clipping hundreds of photos for your design work when that's time you could be spending designing? Do not clip your photos. I mean, unless you got a graphic you got to get out in less than an hour, which is rare that you have to do that with a clip photo. A dollar nineteen per image. Most of what... the sports images are a little bit more expensive. Mine tend to average between three and five dollars a photo, just because I've got hair on dudes, and mm-hmm. you know what it's like. You get a football player with with locks running or Troy Polamalu you know, type shit. Or, or, you know, lacrosse baskets or, or hockey goals, they will clip all those individual, you know, that all that netting and I don't have to. So that one's a $5 photo and it's worth every penny. I never even knew that was a thing. There was something that came up. Let's see if I have it in my bookmarks. It's, it was like this free, like automatic. Um, I don't have it in my bookmarks, but it was like this free, you would literally upload a jpeg because it wouldn't it it wasn't able to take anything um like it was like you were only able to upload like a low quality jpeg because the the 
thing wasn't able to take anything higher than that. And it would clip out the background. And that was the biggest rave on like on sports, Twitter design, Twitter for the longest time. And it was literally the worst thing, but now like, I, that's crazy. You just, that's kind of a flex though. I mean, you know, it's one of those, it's, it's an economics of scale. Like, um, you know, at the end of the day, like when I'm, do my clients want to pay me to sit there and clip photos or do they want to pay me to design? You know, they want to, they want to pay me to design and frankly, for them to spend the extra $185 for me to send these photos off to India to, you know, and I don't up, upcharge that. I mean, in, in theory, you could, you could, like, if, if it costs you $50 to send those photos off to India, you could charge your client 75 for that, you know, for you having to take the time to upload it or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a shitty thing to do. Um, just reimburse me for that at the very least. But even at that, like, there are some projects, if I'm doing a flat fee project, you know, you know, $5,000 for a book or something like that. And I got to send a bunch of photos to get clipped. I won't ask my clients to reimburse me for that, but because it's such a time saver, like it's worth the, you know, 50 to a hundred dollars. It costs me. I think the most I've ever spent with them is, is 185 bucks. What's the turn? What's the turnaround usually as fast as six hours. Oh shit. Yeah. So if you're, if you're organized, yeah. Um, do you have like a couple days to do a project? Then you got plenty of time to do shit, that. If you just do it first thing in the morning, you can get it done that afternoon. Mm-hmm. If you get everything else done while the, those photos are being clipped over in India and they come back to you and all you got to do is drop them in and you're done. Like if it's, it's at that point, it's about self-management more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I always build that lead time in with my clients. I'm like, send me the photos as soon as I can, so I can get it clipped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, uh, that's just, I don't know why this is like blowing my mind so much, but it really is. Like, I didn't even <laughs> think about like sending a photo off to someone and saying, Hey, clip this for me because I don't want to do it. It, you know, it is a flex though. It really is a flex. You're flexing on us so hard right now, Brian. That is such a flex. <laughs> I never sure. even heard of anyone doing that. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, <laughs> You know, it's it's funny. I, I want to say it was Jordan Geisler at, at the Kansas City Chiefs that in, um, introduced me to Path Edits. Um, and I have been singing their praises anywhere I can to anyone that'll listen. PathEdits.com. P-A-T-H-E-D-I-T-S.com. They are not paying me to say this at all. They just get that shit done and they do it. I've seen some, you know, photo clipping services here and there. Um, none of them do as good a job as these guys do. So they really do do a great job. Um, I always pay a little bit more to get those photos done faster in that, you know, 12 to six hour range. Um, but if, you know, you're on a budget and you can, af- you can afford the time, their 24 hour turnaround is, is a really good deal. So that's my little plug for path edits. Um, they're, they're awesome. Yeah. I will tell that to anybody and everybody in the industry. So, I got to be honest, the things I wrote down for notes, I, you know, aren't really, I mean, we, we just kind of talked about whatever kind of came up. So sure. Just, we can go through your notes if you want to. Well, I don't think we need to, because like the conversation, I, th- I think that'd be jumping around because the conversation that we've kind of been having is, has been like, it, it's hit on some topics that, um, and a different outlook on some topics, because, you know, that that's always a good thing, getting different opinions and different stories and, you know, different ways to think about certain things. That's always a good thing. 
Um, but I know you don't have kind of a time, a time stamp on anything, not limited on time, but personally I am limited on time, a little bit limited on time. So, um, I was thinking about wrapping it up here. Um, basically I like to stay, you know, if we go over an hour, but not much over an hour, just simply because of, you know, personally, I don't like listening to podcast episodes more than an hour. So (laughs) I I kind of lose attention after a little bit. Um, so, you know, again, I thank you for coming on. Um, it's been an awesome conversation. Definitely. If you want to do a part two, we could do that too. We could definitely do a part two. Um, I would be completely down for that, but I hope you, this, the title for this podcast is actually going to be fuck creative process just because, because of your little (laughs) bit, because of your bit in the middle there. Oh, I love Love it. it. I loved it. Um, but yes, again, thank you for coming on. Um, I'll definitely send you a follow-up DM to see when, when we can schedule that. Um, because part two would be awesome to go over some things, um, more on like a personal type of, you know, you know, your design career type of level. Um, Ah, don't do that. I hate talking about myself. <laughs> Just hey. go listen to my makers of sport interview. If you want to hear that shit. Like, that's no. true. That's Let's, true. Uh, the, the, I like these conversations way better. Okay. Well then yes. Part two will be more just like this. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> just to be satisfied. Yeah. Like I'm not that interesting. Like I've worked places. I've done shit. Like you've seen it. It's cool. It's fine. We don't need to talk about it. Awesome. Okay. See, I like that too. Like you're just, it's just like so organic. You're just kind of saying, fuck this. I'm not doing it. <laughs> you uh, know? Like, any, anybody who wants to know like my specific career path or like what I've worked on and with who and how that came to be, like just fucking DM me on Twitter or, or you know, send me an email. And I'll tell you but, or, or go listen to my makers of support mm-hmm. uh, yeah. review from way back in the day. I think it was a year into my my independent creative time at the time. So a little okay. different now, but um, yeah, like you, nobody wants to listen to me blab about myself. <laughs> hey, you never know. Someone does. Nah. <laughs> all right. Well um, guys, if you want to connect with Brian, all his uh, links, I know his Twitter and his website will for sure be down below. Um, do you want me? I mean, are you, you're not making episodes for make, are you making episodes still for makers of sport? Oh no, that's Adam Martin's podcast. Uh, I, I, was I thought on... you, I thought you were like a, um, a co-host for that. No, 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 no. Brandon Moore and I did a, did a, um, B plus on design way back in the day. Uh, I, oh, okay. I like three years ago, we, we did a handful of episodes. Uh, how many, I don't even know how many episodes we did. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, okay. so that, that was the podcast that I hosted with Brandon Moore, um, that hack, uh, not okay. to bring him up again um god i hate that guy <laughs> um but yeah your twitter and your website will yeah. be down below in the description if anyone wants to familiarize yourself with brian more than you know you already have listening to this but again brian thank you for coming on um i'll definitely send you another dm about setting up a part two because i would love to keep talking with you um but yeah Anyways, guys, this has been episode 21 of Creative Process with myself, Jared Klein, and obviously Brian Gundell um, to be on today. Um, I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. And as always, go tell someone that you love them. All right, take it easy. Have a good one. We'll see you next time. Peace.